Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training. Good, specialized training. Something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Marco Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Wedding Videography for Beginners podcast. I am your host, Phil Beabout, and today we are covering creating a powerful brand through Instagram with Taylor Petronovich from the Level Up Your Wedding Film Business podcast. She is just so articulate when it comes to what you should be doing when it comes to Instagram, how you should be managing that Instagram, how you should be cultivating it, what you should be doing. Uh, Just for those of you that don't know, Taylor, she's really just quickly become kind of the resident expert when it comes to branding and curating that Instagram audience. Uh, You might have seen her before in other wedding filmmaking podcasts like How to Film Weddings. Uh, she's featured in Style Me Pretty. She's an insider. She's in Hey, Hey, Wedding Lady. Uh, it's It was really cool to sit down and talk to her and just listen to the way that she approaches Instagram and then what you can do to be using and leveraging Instagram to make you money. So, you know, sit back. This is a great episode and let's get to it. All right. Uh, so Taylor, thank you so much for being on wedding videography for beginners and our podcast. Uh, I guess let's kind of start from the beginning. How did you get into wedding videography? Yeah. So I, um, like most of us in the industry kind of stumbled upon it on accident. Um, I actually started a YouTube channel when I was pregnant with my first daughter, um, it was like a mom channel. So I did like <laughs> reviews on parenting and baby products and vlogs and things like that. Um, but uh, right around the time my daughter turned one, um, I decided that that kind of content was not really something that I was super passionate about. Um, but I had acquired a bit of a skill set and some gear. Um, and I knew that I liked having something like to work on outside of you know, being a mom and taking care of the house and things like that. So um, I was kind of brainstorming business ideas with my husband, and he actually suggested that I started um, doing some sort of videography. And um, originally, I wanted to do like milestone videography. So I'm thinking like first birthdays, like maternity, graduations, things like that. Um, because there's an industry for that in photography, but Mm -hmm. quickly realized that there's not much of a demand for that in the video world. Um, I know that there are a few people out there who do that and they crush it, but I wasn't willing to like create a whole genre of (laughs) video services in my area from scratch. So, um, I had kind of put a call out on my personal Facebook, 
um, for anybody who has any event that they want filmed. And a girl that I went to high school with reached out to me um, asking if I could do her wedding. Um, and I said, yeah, of course. Like, how hard could it be? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it turns out it's harder than, you know, I thought. But um, I did that first wedding and I fell in love with it and kind of quickly started like pushing myself out there um, on like uh, Facebook, like wedding buy, sell trade groups and things like that. And I was able to book, I think like five weddings from like September to November, that first one, that first year. And then that rolled into the next year and into a full 20 wedding season. So <laughs> just kind of oh, hit the ground awesome. running. Yeah. And, um, right before I filmed that first wedding, I found out I was pregnant with baby number two. So practically like my whole business life has been like balancing, like, family growth and uh, being a mom and trying to, you know, handle a bunch of things. So I feel like I'm well-versed in, um, yeah, I don't know, multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We should have made a podcast ep- episode just about trying to get childcare. The, uh, <laughs> if, uh, yeah, that was horrible. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what, what are you charging on average now for, for weddings? Yeah, so right now my starting investment is at sixty four twenty five, um, and on average my clients are spending somewhere in like the eight to ten thousand dollar range, mostly. Oh, that's a good number. That's a, that's that's where everybody is trying to shoot to. So so good on you. Like congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, um, thank you. When when did you actually start your um, level up your wedding film business, like your your podcast and that entire side genre that you have? Yeah. So, um, I started the level up your wedding film business podcast in January of 2020. So as we're recording, it's, um, the end of February, 2021. So just kind of past my year anniversary, if you want to call it that. Um, but it's been fun. It's been a journey. I've been having a lot of, um, fun talking to interesting people who I would never have the opportunity to talk with face to face, um, had it not been for the podcast. So I'm really, um, thankful for that journey. Yeah, no, I, I actually listen to the podcast, so I, I love it. So yeah, I think they're killing it. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's, let's kind of move into, uh, intentional business growth. Could you, could we, let's, let's start to talk about kind of what that looks like and what, what do you think you would recommend for somebody who's just starting out to really move into that intentional, you know, not, not so much doing this on the weekends, but let's, let's start to make some big strides type thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say that everybody's businesses and everybody's journeys are different. And so as much as we may be tempted to look at other people and um, kind of see what they're doing and try to emulate that, I think that's a mistake. Um, I think that we Mm -hmm. need to look at our own personal reasons for being in this industry. Um, There are a plethora of reasons that you may be a wedding videographer. Um, and I'm sure that money is not the number one, because if you were in it for just the money, like there's, you know, hundreds of other careers you could have taken. So look a little deeper than that. Um, so for me personally, like I, um, just need like some personal fulfillment and like creativity. And so that's like my number one driving force. And so I have, personally created like all of my goals and my businesses, like with that, like quote unquote, like why in mind. Um, and so that's going to look different for everybody. So I would say like first looking at why you are a wedding videographer in the first place, and then setting some goals in accordance with that. Um, so a lot of people want to travel and so they're going to like want to be a destination videographer. Some people want 
Um, you know, if you're in Enneagram three, which I am, um, some people want like to be recognized and like, they want a little bit of like, um, what do you call it? Like, I guess just recognition, like within the industry. So Mm -hmm. there's lots of different reasons. So pinpoint that. And then I would set like some goals for yourself, starting with like a five-year goal and then work it back to like a one-year goal and like six month goals and, um, being realistic with yourself and like what you think you could do. Um, so you, um, Phil and your wife, Brittany, you guys are in a similar situation as me. Like we both have like young kids, young families, childcare is an issue. So our work week is going to look a lot different from somebody who's single and like has all the time in the world. Right. And so we do need to be realistic with that. Um, but there's ways that you can be intentional with your time. Um, so for me, I knew that I wanted to kind of move into the luxury space. Um, and, it's not for me, like really about the money. Like I just want to film really beautiful things, (laughs) you know? And like the more money somebody is spending on their wedding, like the more beautiful it's going to be with more flowers, et cetera. So, um, that's kind of feeds into my why of like the creative fulfillment. Um, and so I would say that's number one. And then identifying your ideal client who should also be in alignment with that. So, um, identifying the work you want to create and what like really like sets your soul on fire and makes you excited to wake up every morning and go to work or sit at your desk. Um, that should be first and foremost. Um, and then you can kind of backpedal it like, oh, okay, well, what kind of person, what kind of client is going to be drawn to this kind of wedding that I want to capture this kind of work that I want to create. And then you can create your brand that can speak to that client, if that makes sense. So it's like reverse engineering, starting with your why and why you want to be a videographer. And then everything kind of falls into place once you have that set and clear. All right. So let's, let's go into the importance of having just a solid brand, just coming off of what, what you had mentioned uh, with branding and finding your ideal client. And I know us personally, we've really just started digging into our brand uh, we, you know, like I, like I'd mentioned that that three day workshop was really helpful in trying to pull some, some good questions together to identify your ideal client and get your brand together. And, um, I just, how would you recommend people just going into that ideal client? Like if they were just starting out and they wanted to really start to target that portion, like where, where do you think somebody should start? Yeah. So, um, I mean, we started the question with talking about branding and I do think it's important to kind of note that your entire brand should be circled around your ideal client. And so, um, especially to people who are new, um, I would not go spend a lot of money on like a brand designer right out the gate. I think that you should take some time to experience like some different types of weddings, different types of clients and really see what you like. Um, and that's just me speaking from experience. Like for a few years, I thought I wanted to go into adventure elopements. Um, but after actually like doing some of that type of work, I realized that like, I did not want to be climbing mountains at four in the morning to do like a sunrise. You know what I mean? So, uh, (laughs) so if I would have spent, you know, thousands of dollars on a brand catering to the, that kind of client, like I would have been really not happy. Um, so I do think it's important to experience different things, find out what you like, find out what you don't like. Um, and then really go from there. And I think that it's important to, um, make sure your ideal client is in alignment with going back to your why, like, um, Mm -hmm. what makes you happy. And usually you'll see, 
um, some trends in like your favorite clients. Like you'll be able to pull out pieces um, with clients that you've already worked with of what you liked about them. Maybe it's their personality. Maybe it's their story. Maybe it's where they got married, things like that. And you can kind of like piece it together. Um, I think it's also helpful to base your ideal client around a real person. Um, And that can be anybody from somebody you went to school with um, to like an influencer or something like that. And so that's what I did. I was able to find somebody who I had actually been following for a while. And I was like, this is exactly who I want to like film. This is, I can see like her personality, like her likes, her dislikes. And like, I'm going to focus my entire brand like around her. Um, So you, but most people do try to like (laughs) find a, like an um, what do you call it? Like a fictitious person. Like they'll create like what they call it an ideal client avatar yep. and they'll give them a name and like come up with like a past history and like a future and a career and all these things. So those are both, both ways are fine. I just am a visual person. So it's easier for me to like actually have a real person like in mind when I do things like that. Um, but then I know that a fear that comes up in a lot of people is that like, you're going to be repelling people who don't fit into that ideal client and who are not attracted to your brand. And that's the whole point. Like we can't serve everybody. And, um, it's so true. Like a master, what is it? Like a Jack of all trades is a master of none. Right. So like, yeah. So if you're not like trying to specifically target like one specific type of person, you're just going to get like a bunch of like hodgepodge things. And then it's really hard to build, (laughs) build your brand off of that. Um, and so, um, yeah, ideal clients are important. Um, but then once you kind of have that nailed down, like maybe around like the like 18 month or two year mark in your business, yeah, it can take that long and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can start working on creating some actual like long-term goals for yourself. You'll know where you want to end up in the industry. Um, you know, like I already said, like don't base this as off of everybody else that you see posting in Facebook groups or whatever. Like a lot of people think that they want to do um, like high end or luxury, but then they realize that those kinds of clients like don't have the personal connection with them because you're not even like working with the client, working with the planner. And so like that doesn't speak into their why because they love the personal connection. You see what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. keep your blinders on, stay in your lane. Don't look at what everyone else is doing. Just like do what you want to do for your own reasons. Um, sorry, I like lost where I was going with that. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is well, what happens when we record live. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. We uh, we're in year three. And it sounds like a Harry Potter movie, but we, mm-hmm. um, uh, we booked our first wedding with a planner and it, you're right. It was a hundred percent different experience. The planner signed the contract. We just interacted. That's solely with the planner and that was it. Um, so it was a very, very different experience where, you know, there was the phone call was with the, the discovery call was with the planner. And so it was, it was different. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and I'm not too sure how I feel about it. Like at first, one part of me thinks that it's very, it's not, um, not social. Like there's no connection between us and the, yeah. And, but another part of me thinks that it was also super easy. So it's, it's like a, it's a give and take with us right now. Mind you, it was the first one. So I'm not, I'm not too sure where we're going to land with, with those in the future, but yeah, it was different. It was definitely different. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's good to experience it. Um, but how horrible would it be if you went and spent $10,000 on a branding suite and a website catering towards these luxury clients who all of them would be working with a planner like this. And then you decide, Oh my goodness, like 
I'm missing that personal connection. And that's why I love what I do. Like, then you'd be so unhappy, you know, and then you might as well be yeah. working in a cubicle somewhere. So, um, like, I don't know. I think that you just need to be happy in your business. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a big sunk cost because you, you ain't getting that money back. So no. that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. Um, so I guess with everything that with, with what we've been talking about, my next question was going to be like, what should people who are starting out really focus on? But I think, I mean, I guess, do you want to, do you want to kind of elaborate? Cause we, we've been talking about that for a minute now. So, you know, really digging into like their why. And I, I think that that's a, that's a perfect answer to that question. And that's what I've picked up since we, we've been talking. So I guess, you know, that's, it's very important to identify why you do this, what you love about it. And then I, I guess, how would you start to communicate that through your website? Because like, I know I manage our own website, so I don't know if, you know, if you do that anymore, cause you know, I'm, I'm just sure that you have a branding expert at this point who's, who's working on your stuff. But me, it's, I'm sitting behind a WordPress site trying not to screw up blocks. <laughs> so, so I guess how, how do you think folks should try to like, let's say that they've worked through, uh, understanding their why and who, who their ideal client is just in general terms, like how would they translate that into the website? Like, I mean, should they, should I target keywords or? Well, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody and um, how much money you're willing to invest and where you're at in your business. So like we were just saying, like if you're, you know, less than a year in, please do not go spend like a ton of money because you don't even know what you're wanting, what you want to do yet. You haven't experienced enough yet. So um, for anybody who's been in business for less than like, I'll say 18 months or less, um, just focus on like perfecting your craft, getting as many clients as you possibly mm. can, because um, only through like repetition, are you going to be able to like build up a skill set and um, kind of being able to think on your feet on a wedding day and, you know, troubleshooting things. So just focus on experience and getting as many reps in as possible. If you're past like that 18 months, two year mark, then yeah, maybe you should start um, digging into your business and where you want to go. And that will align with hiring a brand designer. Um, so this might surprise you. I actually did not hire somebody to do my website. I only hired a brand designer. So like they came up with like my mm. colors, fonts, logo, um, and then like helped me identify some like key keywords to use. And I, I designed my website myself. Um, it is on my list to hire somebody, but it was not in the budget at the time. <laughs> um, and so I would say to not discount the copy on your website. I think that the words on your website matter just as much as the imagery. And so um, making sure those things are in alignment with your brand. Um, a really easy example is like, we all choose different words to use to describe what we do. So there's videography, filmmaking, cinematography, right? Those are like the three major mm -hmm. ones. And like, you should pick one and stick to it. So like, if you say you're a filmmaker, don't go talking about videography, talk about your wedding films and like the filming process, not the video yep. process. Right. So like stay, like keep one because that's like part of your brand. Um, and yes, similarly, like, yeah, yeah. Continuity is king. Um, and if you, so just using myself in as an example, like I am focusing on a little bit more of like a elevated experience and elevated brand. And so I'm not going to be like, Hey y'all. Right. Like that just like, um, I, I speak like that maybe in real life sometimes, but like not on my website because it's not in alignment. And so making sure everything is, um, 
just con- like continuity, right? Um, also paying attention to like color. Colors are pretty important, but if you hire a brand designer, um, they will help you identify those, making sure things mesh, making thing, making sure things are legible and um, they make sense. So one thing that I see a lot of people do in their websites is like try to come up with like kitschy names for things. Um, mm-hmm. So like instead of it saying like the contact page, they'll be like, um, get in touch here or um, um, hop on the phone or something like that. And then you click it and it's just, it takes you to the contact page with the contact form. So I think that things, <laughs> people are like trained to land on a website and to look for specific things. Like that's just how we act as humans. And so just, just, just do kind of the norm. Like don't try to get too creative with it. I think that's just really confusing <laughs> um, to like the user and People have such short intention spans that unless they were like dead set on hiring you in the first place, they might just like get frustrated and click off. So we don't want that. We want them like to go through your process um, on your website and like inquire. That's the whole point, right? So, um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, we've, we've really started to focus on the vernacular that we have and like no longer calling things packages or collections. We don't, it's not a sales call. It's a discovery call. Like we've really, we're really trying to change the way that we're talking about things to try to separate us from, you know, other people in the area and that kind of stuff. Like that's, we're trying to create some kind of differential thing with our brand. And that's, you know, that's based on us trying to do exactly what you were, you were saying, trying to isolate that ideal client, trying to build things around that and really figure out who we are. Cause you know, you're absolutely right. We, we shot a bunch of different weddings, whether they were in churches, uh, outside of churches, on beaches, you know, in clubhouses, like we shot a lot of different weddings, uh, including some like Greek Orthodox Catholic, like we were doing a bunch and we've, we've thankfully been able to do that to sit down and say, you know what, we like this. We don't like that. Like, this is what we should be targeting. And, you know, I, I, you are 100%, you know, I I think you, you are definitely an expert when it comes to this subject, because everything that you're saying is really resonating with me because we're, we're trying to, we're, we're trying to do what, what you're saying to do. So I know (laughs) I, I personally, I go back and listen to these. I'm not taking notes because I don't want to be rude while we're talking, but I, uh, I, personally go back and re listen to them. Like I, I'll go back and re listen to it. And then I start jotting down notes and that kind of stuff. Cause there's, there's so much good information that comes out of things like this. Um, and I guess with, with that being said, just out of curiosity, if someone started their business and they got their brand off to the wrong start. So like it was a, like their website was, you know, jacked up or, uh, they had bad reviews. Like, is there anything that you would recommend? And we're not in that position. So don't think I'm asking because I'm like, Oh my God, we had a, a wave of bad reviews coming. Uh, <laughs> what, what would you just recommend to people just in general on how they could probably shift back into like the brand that they wanted and, and maybe fix, fix some things? Yeah. So I would say <laughs> the, the bad reviews is a whole different can of worms. Um, there yeah. are some things that you can do um, number one, if, if the review is left on a site, like the not wedding wire, um, the best thing to do is, especially if you don't feel like you are at fault in any way is to reply to the bad review. Um, you can easily negate what people are saying, um, through a nice response. And then 
think of it from like the end user's perspective. Like let's say a uh, prospective client hops onto the knot. They see, oh, um, Phil did a terrible job. He ripped my dress and then he didn't record the ceremony, something like that. Um, and that's not true, of course, because you're super talented. And so you can respond to the um, review right there on the knot and say, hey, Annie, I'm so sorry that you feel like you had an unfortunate experience with us. Um, I totally understand. And I wish we could make things up to you. Um, and, um, however, we did not do XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. These are unfounded. Um, wishing you all the best. XO mm. Phil or whatever. You know what I mean? You could say that. And then a new a bride is going to hop on that and see like how professionally you handled that situation. And they're going to what you said is going to resonate with them more than like what the person complaining said. So that's the first thing. So like, especially if you feel like you are not really at fault, um, respond to those um, reviews that there's so much power in that. Um, more is said by being silent <laughs> than is said by a response, right? So we want to get in ahead of it. Um, but hoping that the listeners don't have any bad reviews. Um, so I have experience with rebranding. Um, I started my business with like a completely different business name and different direction. And I made a big hoopla out of rebranding. Like I, um, leaked, you know, sneak peeks and I hinted at something big coming. And I, um, I did like a huge unveiling and got a lot of great responses. So that would be the way I would suggest going, um, you know, get, get your, a brand designer in the works. If you need to change your business name so that things are in alignment, um, do everything behind the scenes, um, leak a little bit of, um, you know, excitement and like just little glimpses that you're working on something big and then like come up with a strategy to like relaunch. Um, I think the worst thing that you could do is like to silently change things because no one's going to really know <laughs> and they're going to be confused. They're going to be looking for who they thought you were and then not be able to find you. Right. And so, um, that would be what I would suggest is come up with like a relaunch strategy and like celebrate it because yeah. yay, you know, you have a new direction and that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Build that excitement. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And people care yeah. like our, you know, our frienders, like they care about you and your business and they want to succeed, you succeed and they'll support you. So yeah. yeah and I guess this everyone, is... everyone makes mistakes and your pass is your pass. It's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, this is a perfect segue. We're going to, we're going to cut to a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about social media and specifically uh, leveraging Instagram. So we will be right back. Do you still email a PDF for a contract? Are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were? You need a solid CRM, a customer relation management tool, a program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires, and invoices too. We have three set up. One for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family? Spend more time working on creative projects or just simply relaxing. Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead. It's on us. 
Start saving time and money today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back from break. Uh, We wanted to jump right into leveraging Instagram. And I know from a personal standpoint, uh, some of our highest paying customers come from Instagram. And this year, specifically in 2021, we have had uh, just as many referrals from hashtags on Instagram as we have from vendors. So Instagram is performing really well. And I don't think a lot of people put focus into the power of using something like Instagram to its kind of fullest potential. So I guess, or even social media, I think a lot of people kind of shy away from it. So what what I'd like to ask is where do you think someone should start when it comes to leveraging a, a social media company or social media account like Instagram? Yeah, no, I think you're so right. Um, Social media for a lot of people, um, I think they kind of see it as like an extra, like if they get around to it. Um, But I use it as like a primary source of marketing for my own business. Um, I'm right there with you. I get probably close to half of my inquiries are from Instagram. Um, But to get started, the first thing I would say is to totally wipe away the mentality that you have to have um, a large following for it to work for you. That is absolutely false. You do not need a lot of followers. Um, all you need is to create an account and to be strategic in what you post and like all of the like metadata that you put in with each post. Um, so the first thing is to, um, I guess, create your username if we're starting from scratch here. Um and yes, I, I suggest having a separate account for your business um, from your personal because no one um, needs to see what you ate for breakfast, right? Um, so have your own business account. Um, I suggest having it just be the name of your company <laughs> if possible, if it's not already taken. Um, and then the next thing you can do is um, your name, which is separate from like your username. Your name is actually a searchable um like field. So if somebody is going in and typing in like New York City wedding videographer, like if you have named yourself that, that will pop up under the accounts. And so be strategic, like probably um, location-based searches are the best way to do it. So for a while, I had myself as like Sacramento wedding videographer, and that would come up in searches for a lot of people. So um, don't discount that. Um, having it just be your like your first and last name is like a huge wasted space, mm. unless like you're already well known and people are searching for you, <laughs> then um, I think you should um, definitely have that be something searchable wherever your clients are searching. Um, the next thing would be, you know, your description, uh, make sure that uh, or like your bio, I guess, uh, make sure your bio is an inten- intentional choice. Um, so we've been talking about ideal clients a ton, so make sure it speaks to them. Um, if you already, if you aren't sure who your ideal client is, um, don't just put things in there to put things in there, right? Like we don't need any generic, like (laughs) I love love and coffee, right? Like that doesn't matter. I would, I would prefer you just say like locate located in XYZ city, serving XYZ couples booking 2021, 22 and two, and then a link to your website. Um, the next thing would be your grid. So that's like what you're actually posting to your account. Um, this is the most important part because this is how you're going to get found. Um, I use Instagram for, I would say three main purposes. Number one is like organic search or like to be found organically by clients. Number two is to build relationships with other vendors. Um, and so that leads to referrals. And number three is to, um, 
have it as a part of my brand. So maybe someone didn't find me through Instagram, but they're definitely going to search me on Instagram to make sure I'm like legitimate. And so I want to have like essentially like a storefront on there that like legitimizes me and shows that like I'm a real business and I'm not just going to like take their money and leave. Right. Um, so those are my three main. And so, um, I cater all of my posts to, um, one of those three, um, or a combination of those three purposes. And so, um, especially if you're getting started, I know that this, this podcast is called wedding videography yeah. for beginners. So I'm going to go ahead and assume most people listening are newer to the industry. Um, my biggest piece of advice is to not think of your Instagram as your portfolio. It is not your mm. portfolio. It is a means to be found through marketing. So you can post the same wedding as many dang times as you want. And you can cut it up in as many ways as you want. You can create, um, you know, Instagram videos just for Instagram from these different weddings. Um, I've come up with like 20 different ways you can cut up a single wedding to post like um, fresh and like or, uh, new content. Um, just an example would be like just the bride details. So shots of just the dress, just the shoes and like maybe like her makeup or something. And so you can you can see how that can kind of like extrapolate over like the course of your wedding, uh, maybe just the first look, you know. And so get creative, post as many um, different things from each wedding as you can and then um, hashtag the heck out of it. You can have 30 hashtags per post um, or Instagram has blatantly said it does not matter if the hashtags are in the description of the post or if it's in a comment. Um, they both will rank the same. So do whatever you want. Um, I toggle between the two, depending on how I feel when I'm posing. Um, but I would say at least 15 of the hashtags should be, again, location-based. And you can get creative based on what you think clients may be searching. So um, I'm going to use myself as an Excuse me. I stumble a little bit. As an example... I am in Sacramento, but I serve Napa, Tahoe, San Francisco. So I'm going to hashtag as many variations as I can. Napa wedding videographer, Napa wedding videography, Napa wedding, um, Napa wedding photographer. They still might find you there. Um, Lake Tahoe wedding videographer, Tahoe wedding videographer, um, Lake Tahoe wedding videography. You can, you can see how many different combinations there are. And thank God we have 30. Um, and then if you want to do some more broad ones, um, maybe like California wedding would be like one of my broad hashtags. And that's really just in case like maybe um, like a planner was searching or something like that. Maybe they'll stumble across. Um, so that's kind of like the nutshell. Um, your description is equally as important, um, but it can get confusing as to what you want to post. Um, I would say stay away from love quotes or song lyrics. Um, those serve no purpose. I would prefer you to say like, still dreaming about Phil and Brittany's gorgeous wedding on Lake Pukatui <laughs> um, or whatever. Is that and a place? Like, no. Oh. It's oh, I was like, man, it's, I like thought a, maybe it was in Northern California. Show. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's from a kid, like a kid's show. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you can tell I have little kids. Um, but you can see, and you can actually like Google like ideas for Instagram um, captions and like they'll prompt, like there's a lot of prompts out there that you can find. Um, and then maybe you haven't even shot a wedding. Well, my best piece of advice is to create something, um, in the form of a styled shoot. I do a ton of styled shoots there. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the concept, it's uh, essentially a fake wedding mm. where a team of vendors will come together, um, and create something beautiful. So there'll be a florist, um, models, hair and makeup, a venue, whatever. You can include as many or as few, um, 
vendors as you want. Um, but that's the best way to come up with content that's like on brand for you. Um, and you can, again, push that out as much as you want on Instagram. Like there's no rule. You don't just have to post it one time. It's not your portfolio. Um, so I have a lot to say about Instagram, but those are like kind of the biggest things, um, that I can kind of tell people that are like actually like tactical. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I like about styled shoots is there's no stress because you can just reset. So it's not like you're not, you know, if, if they did something wrong during like the, the first look or something like that, you can just replace people like it was. So it, it does, oh, it, alleviate, it alleviates a lot of stress, at least on my part. Um, yeah, it's a great time to practice if you have any new gear or yeah. new things that you want to try. I don't suggest trying anything new on an actual wedding day, <laughs> uh, but style shoots are a great time. Yeah, we, we definitely follow a mantra that we do not touch our equipment like the morning of the wedding like that's that's just that's bad luck like we're not trying to change anything we're not trying to do anything different on the morning of the wedding we put our stuff in pelican cases the night before and just load it up just leave it in the car <laughs> so i think that's smart yeah because I, I like to i like to like fiddle so i don't want to yeah i'll wind up breaking something um do you have a recommended posting schedule for instagram well, um, first of all, I would say something that you can commit to, um, consistency, excuse me, consistency is more important than frequency. So even if you're just posting once a week, that's way better. If you can do that over the course of a year without missing a week, than like posting three times a week for a month and then dropping off the face of the earth for six months, like the once a week is going to serve you a lot better. Um, and so I, with that said, I would say a minimum of once a week, maybe three times a week is ideal. Um, and then it really just depends on when your audience is like hanging out on Instagram. You can go and look in your insights and see when your audience is most active. For me, um, it shows up like right around like noon and then again at like 8 p.m., mm. which makes sense. Like it's when people are on their lunch breaks or then like on the couch at night scrolling. Right. So that it makes sense. Um, I use a third party scheduling app. I use later.com. Um, I think it's like 11 bucks a month to schedule out. Um, I want to say it's like an obscene amount you get, like maybe you get a hundred posts a month mm. or something if you want to take advantage of that. Um, and I think it's very worth it. Um, that goes into my marketing budget. Like I don't, you know, advertise on like the knot or anything like that. Um, so I mean, 11 bucks a month is pretty cheap. <laughs> you yeah. want to look at it that way. Um, and it's great. You get to choose the thumbnail to the video right there, schedule out the caption and the hashtags and everything. And it just auto publishes. Like you don't even have to touch it after you schedule it out. So I would recommend that. Um, even if, um, you're brand new and, um, maybe that sounds like a frivolous spend. Um, I would just, you know, I don't know, try to sell like a shirt on eBay, like from your closet once a month to be able to afford to do that. Like if you have to, like, I think it's worth it. <laughs> oh, just hawk something on eBay, pay for it. Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause I, I that's how I bought all of my gear at the beginning. Like I, I purged my closet and sold so much stuff so that I could buy my gear. We sell our gear when we're done with it on eBay. we sell, oh, yeah. like I sold a GH five two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Cause we, we upgraded S fives, but so I, yeah, I mean, you can find, amazing deals. Like I, I buy used stuff all the time. Lenses. That kind oh of yeah. Stuff. yeah. I like only buy used gear, like for bodies and lenses. Yeah. Like 
save so much money. Yeah. And I, I just want to, I want to go back to, uh, Taylor was talking about looking at your insights in order to look at your insight, you have to have a business profile. So it's really important. Again, what she said with not having a personal profile and having that business profile, that way you can get access to things like your audience insights. That's a, that's a very big, very big portion of it. Um, and I'm glad that you brought up the third party software, because before the call, we were kind of, I was asking a personal question about Facebook creator studio and how I cannot get it to work for the life of me. So I would highly recommend to do what she said and just go with something that works. <laughs> so, cause we, we try to post once a week and we just stick to that one once a week. You know, we don't, um, yeah, I, I think that once a week for us and where we're at in our market once a week works really well. And that's not, like super strenuous. That's not like a big lift. So yeah, it's super doable. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people put pressure on themselves because again, they see what other people are doing, but again, stay in your lane. <laughs> if once a week works for you, do once a week. Um, one of my strategies on Instagram is to try to get as many like top posts as I can. And so actually like posting less frequently does help with that because like when my followers like see that I posted something, they're more likely to interact with it because it's not like in their face all day long. Mm. Um, and so when you search a hashtag, like it automatically pop pops up like the top posts and then you can toggle to be like recent posts. Right. Um, but not everyone does the recent yep. posts. And so the way you can get on the top is just by having as many interactions as possible. So that includes like saves, shares, likes, and comments. Um, so yeah, I could talk about that too, if you want. But. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think I never thought of posting more, just turning into white noise and people just scrolling past it. I'd never actually, yeah, no, that that's an excellent, that's an excellent point. Um, it's like super anecdotal. Like I do not know for sure. I don't have yeah. any evidence to back that up. That's just what I've noticed. Well, it makes sense. <laughs> like that, that theory makes perfect sense. If you see somebody posting every day, you're just going to keep scrolling past their posts and that less frequent would be more meaningful. Like I, I think you're definitely onto something with that. Um, yeah, I mean, so what, what I really like about this conversation is I had a, a few questions prepared and Taylor is so experienced in Instagram that she pretty much went through the questions on her own in order. I was looking down and getting ready to ask something different. And she was like, she, she discussed like what a good description and name field look like and, uh, thumbnails, grid layouts. Like she covered everything that I was going to actually go through and, and ask her about. So that was, that was actually really cool to watch that happen. Actually, I do have more to say. Okay, please, to say. please. Description. So Another way you could use your description, especially if you want to use Instagram as more of like a, a relationship building thing is to like use the descriptions as like a personal blog. So it's possible for the description to not have anything to do with the post at all. Like you could literally say like sitting down at my desk with a cup of coffee this morning with three weddings in the queue, trying to nail these out for my clients. And then like, a, like, um, like a line indent, right. Mm -hmm. New, new paragraph. And you can go on to talk about how amazing your clients are and how excited you are for like the coming wedding season, blah, 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 blah. Like, and you can see like, that doesn't actually like relate to the post at all. Like you didn't talk about the couple or that actual wedding, but like people are getting to see a glimpse inside of you and your business. Um, on the flip side, you could talk about something more personal. So if you have like a big life event, like if you are, um, pregnant, if you're a female, or I guess a guy could say that his wife is pregnant too. If you're expecting, if you, um, 
have something like you just got a new puppy. Like you could talk about that. Like as long as it's on brand, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to be honest. I never, <laughs> just make sure it makes sense. I, I never referred to myself being pregnant when Brittany was pregnant. I always thought that was kind of, I never said like, Oh, I'm pregnant too. Like, no, no, my wife's we pregnant. Are pregnant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. And what, one thing that I've noticed is we get significantly more reactions to personal posts. So just a few days ago, we, you know, we posted a thing talking about just our wedding and we had a couple of our wedding photos in it. And, um, that did exponentially better than the clips that we had and that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, that having that personal touch on Instagram, really, it brings people to you because you're, you're becoming a human being at that point. You're not just a, a like a machine that's pumping out wedding videos. So I think, I think you're, yeah, you were. Well, people You're definitely an expert. Want, <laughs> yeah, people want that personal connection. Like that's one of our like most intrinsic like values as human beings. Like we want personal connection and that's why you see all these like huge brands like personalizing themselves and making them like more relatable to consumers is because like they know we don't want to just like buy from like an, a faceless brand. Like we don't want that if we have the option to have a relationship with like our um service provider or our the pri- provider of our goods mm-hmm. whatever we're you know purchasing um so no that's a good thing and also like um i've experienced the same thing and every time i post a picture of myself it gets way more engagement so um if you if it's in your budget to go do a little branding session um for you and your team if your husband and wife team or just solo like myself um go pay someone a hundred bucks and go get some nice professional headshots. And, you know, maybe once every like nine or 10 posts, like, uh, sprinkle those in there. And I think that will go a long way in building your brand. Yeah. We, we definitely double dip. We'd use our family photos. So when we take our, yeah. we take our family photos, we just put those on Instagram and yeah. yeah, yeah. So we get the yeah, best of both I mean, worlds. Even if you're like at a wedding or styled shoot, you can just say, Hey, can you just go take like two or three pictures of me really fast? Like I don't have a headshot or I need an updated one, please, please, please. And like the photographer usually is like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Like it doesn't cost them any money. Like why not? <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so I guess, with everything that you have going on, just in general terms, you have a super successful podcast, you have your, your level up business, you have your wedding business. I mean, what, what's next? Like, what do you think is, I, I, I thought I heard glimpses of web design for a minute there at the beginning, cause your website is great. So if you're, if you built that, then you definitely, you, I think that that might be the next logical step to where you're, you're doing branding and design for other people, but what, what's next for Taylor? Yeah. Um, as an Enneagram three, like I love the Enneagram stuff, if you can tell, um, I, I do always want to be like pushing forward and reaching for the next thing. Um, but, um, 2020 was like a huge push of hustle for me. Um, even despite the pandemic and everything that went on in 2021, I'm just going to kind of let myself mostly coast. Um, I'm seeing a lot of fruits of my labors, like kind of come to fruition. I've got some really cool opportunities um, happening this year with some like pretty big names. Um, so it's going to be like a relationship year mostly um, where I will be, um, you know, actually like face to face with people who can have a big impact on my career. And so that's like my biggest plan for this year. Um, I love the podcast. I love education. Um, but since my like why is like a creative outlet, like 
filming weddings is like always like my number one and like having that business will always be like my primary focus. Mm -hmm. And so, um, just kind of seeing as how far I can get with that. Um, so (laughs) I guess continuing laying groundwork for, for coming years, I think that there's no ceiling in what any of us can do as videographers. We can literally push as hard and as far as we want to take our careers. And, um, that's kind of what I want to do. I just want to see how far I can go. Um, I would love to, you know, do celebrity wedding or two. Um, I would love to go to Europe um, and shoot some like a Malfi coast wedding. Like that'd be really cool. And so right now I'm just forming those relationships that would need to be in place in order for those things to happen. Because once you reach like a certain level in the market, like your clients aren't finding you on Instagram or on the not, like it's all word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be intentional with my relationships this year. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I think that you touched on something that's really, really important. So I was, I was in the military and I use a bunch of military acronyms, but when, when you get to a certain point, when you're in theater, you start what's called sustainment and stability operations, which means that you're just letting things go. You're not doing anything new. You're just, you're in a mode to where you're just letting things play out for a minute. And I think what you just said was actually really amazing in that, you know that you've kind of pushed the gas far enough and now you want to kind of just let it roll, let it play out for a year. And then you'll go back into Like, I think that's a really, that was a really, really cool way of putting that. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we live in this like hustle culture Mm -hmm. where um, it's really like put on a pedestal to only sleep five hours a night because you're so busy working all the time. But like, I think that's great, especially if like you have a short term like goal that you're working towards, but like that's not sustainable. (laughs) And like we're humans, like we need to, you know, have our lives too. And so um, it's fine to kind of toggle between, you know, hustle mode and coast mode or what did you call it? Uh, Sustainment and stability. (laughs) Sustainment and stability. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I'm at. It's called, it's phase four. It's phase four, (laughs) sustainment and stability ops. So yeah, no, I mean, it's it's cool working or sleeping five hours a night and, you know, working long hours and your children don't know your name. So, ooh, like, <laughs> like, Super cool. yeah, like, that's, yeah, so I, and I'm, I'm actually the worst at stuff like that because I, I need to like intentionally turn my cell phone off. I need to, cause all, if I get a message from a client at like eight 30, I will go down, you know, down here and respond to it. I'll take care of, you know, whatever's going on. And I really need to break that habit to have more dedicated working hours. That way it's more, it's more life friendly. Like I, you know, I, I, I believe in work-life balance. Um, this is going to sound awful, but I think some people use that as a crutch, but I do, you know, you do need to have some separation between work and that kind of stuff. I think some people push it to the extreme a little bit. That's my personal opinion. Uh, but I mean, it's all in the, in the name of sustainability. Like you really just can't like keep up that high level of hustle, like for yeah. 15 years, like you just can't like, None of us can. Yeah, it'll probably kill you. <laughs> right? So, <And> so yeah, <laughs> finding your sweet spot. And some people can work 10 hours a day, no problem. Like, that's just part of them. They're workhorses. Some people, like, need four hours. Like, their brain is fried after four hours and just finding what. Yeah, I think. Finding what's good for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm more impressed with people that are more efficient and that can get thing do- things done in a shorter period of time. Like, that's what. That's what I kind of, and that's how I like to run my business. Like I like to be very efficient. And it's one reason why I like HoneyBook. 
It's because you have all, all those automated workflows and that kind of stuff. Like it takes time away from me and it's doing something that I don't need to do and I can focus on something else. So, well, totally. Taylor, I am so excited that you were able to come on the podcast. Uh, I I'm very glad that we had a chance to have this conversation. You are definitely a, just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to branding and Instagram. And I, I cannot tell everybody you have to subscribe to Taylor, uh, in the level up your wedding film business podcast. You've got to check that out. You need to follow her on Insta at, at Taylor. How do you pronounce your last name? Is it Petronovich? <laughs> Petronovich. Petr- so the yes. emphasis is on the I. Yes. Is that, that's very Eastern European. <laughs> It is. Yeah. My husband is. That's awesome. (laughs) I know my maiden name is Decker and like what simpler last name than Decker. And then I go to like the other extreme. Yeah, no, that's cool. (laughs) Uh, And then also at the level up co you got to make sure that if she, if she opens up a masterclass, if she's doing a Facebook live, you have to check it out because they're, they are definitely worth your time. And uh, like I said, you know, you're super talented and we were unbelievably lucky to have you on today. And I can't, I can't wait to have you on again. So I'm, I'm very excited. So yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. No, it was so much fun chatting with you. And I mean, if each recording ends with you, just give me all these compliments, like I'll do it every day of the week. (laughs) Thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you. All right, so be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. You know, join our private Facebook group, Wedding Filmmaking for Beginners. And, you know, I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. And we'll talk to you guys here in a couple weeks. All right, bye. I still haven't figured out how to end these things. I don't know how to close these out. I, like, I'm going to leave that in on purpose. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, it's just weird trying to end a podcast. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent. Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost in your pricing to pass on the expense because you're shooting with better gear. Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Run a Sony a7S 3 or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow Lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with our customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today, and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow. <laughs>